0: Welcome to the State of the Lakers podcast. This time on a Monday instead of a Friday. Raj, how was your weekend, man?
1: It was good. It was good. Uh, the Lakers <clears throat> picked up two games, so they're on a little two-game win streak here. Look out, rest of the league. But yeah, it was good. <laughs> was, uh, trade deadline went and passed, and now we're we're on to the to the second half of the season.
0: And I think for the most part with the Drummond signing that the, uh, uh, the team is more or less what they're going to be. There's still a, an opportunity potentially to pick up uh, uh, somebody with, uh, uh, with this last remaining um, uh, roster spot that they have available, although I think they do have to cut somebody for that. Um, But more or less, this is that time of year where things get fun because there's less conjecture about what teams can be and more just talking about what they are, uh, which is Mm -hmm. more fun. But thank you guys so much for being patient about what happened last Friday. (laughs) Like I'm a man of my routine, and I know Raj is too, and we were looking forward to talking on Friday. Just I had something come up. I have a a job that has a lot of random uh, stuff that can pop up on short notice, so I appreciate you guys being patient. But we're going to talk about everything today. We're going to talk about Andre Drummond and uh, and what he is going to be able to bring to the Lakers and just some of the dishonest discourse that has surrounded him and his career. Uh, and then we're going to talk about... Raj uh, disagreed with me uh, uh, vehemently about the Kyle Lowry uh, saga surrounding the trade deadline, and I'm really interested. We deliberately did not talk about it over the last uh, four days so that we could hash it out on here. Uh, I have my thoughts. He has his. We'll see where that goes. And then we're going to talk about just, you know... What the team looks like right now uh, in this stretch without LeBron and AD because we're looking at probably another at least another two weeks, uh, if not mm-hmm. a little bit more uh, before we get either LeBron or AD back. Uh, so there is a significant chunk of basketball here to analyze and we'll dig into that at the end. Um, so but let's start. With Roger German. So to be clear, you know, uh, uh, Andre Drummond, there are facts that surround him, and then there's, like, the unknown. And we all seem to kind of disagree about the unknown. The facts are he's the best, like, uh, physical specimen, defensive, rebounding, uh, 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 finishing around the basket, getting a 20-20 type guy that you could, that you have in the league right now. He just has a really inconsistent motor. He can pop in and out of games. You talk to anybody who's watched him extensively, whether it's Cavs fans or, or Pistons fans, they'll tell you that he just is watch because of his inconsistency. That's what they'll tell you. Now, the flip side of that, though, is is when he's on, when he's actually giving you the effort, he is unbelievably physically dominant. And there's something to be said about that. Um, However, one of the things that I think is consistently glossed over with him in his story is the fact that he's always been on bad basketball teams. Now, uh, w- w- if you're trying to evaluate him as a star, I think that's worthy criticism. Because now you're saying like he, as a star, is not capable of elevating a team to sincere relevance. That's, that's true. That would be fair criticism. But within the context of him joining the Lakers... We're not evaluating him as a star. We're evaluating him as arguably what the fourth most important player on this team now at the highest, Mm -hmm. like if Mm -hmm. maybe fifth, if you're counting like a Kuzma or somebody over, over. he's not in anywhere near the role that he was in. And if you look at the two best teams he was on, he was on a team with a uh, broken down Blake Griffin. And then he was on a team with like Stanley Johnson and Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson and, 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 you know, yeah, he was bad in those two seasons when they made it to the playoffs. But the context there is they were eight seeds. They were going against the best team in the uh, uh, in the Eastern Conference, the future champion in 2016. And then that juggernaut regular season team in the Bucks in uh, in 2020 so the or 2019. So the point is, is like everybody like that's that's setting a guy up for failure. And that's not to say, like I said, that he's going to be some miraculous 2020 a night guy with the Lakers but I think we need to adjust our expectations in the sense that what he's going to be doing for the Lakers doesn't resemble anything anywhere else and there's no point Mm -hmm. in trying to project because none of us know he might go into the Lakers and be terrible he might go in there and be great we don't know because we've been in a situation like this so I don't like the people profoundly making proclamations that he's going to suck or that he's going to be great we just don't know if that makes sense
1: yeah, for sure. And if you remember when the Lakers got Dwight last year, it wasn't some home run like signing as well. Um People were from people who watched the few games that he was in Washington were saying the same things. He was, you know, not bought in. He wasn't going to um play with the right type of style. Is he going to, is he just going to be a role man? Is he going to uh, make sure that, you know, he's, he's just a finisher at the rim. Is he going to ask for post-ups all the same kind of questions are the same ones we're getting here with uh, Andre Drummond. And, you know, I saw that stat yesterday that the, that, what the Pistons were like negative forty two or something better or forty two points better per hundred possessions in that playoff series. That was a one eight series of a Bucks team that literally ran through the regular season. And I looked and I Blake looked deep got into hurt. It.
0: Blake got hurt right in the middle of the series, the beginning of the series, I think. Right,
1: right. The, the wild part about that is Blake Griffin played two games. So Blake and Andre, Andre Drummond played both games. They were plus nine when those two were on the floor, which, I mean, when you think about it, those games were 30, 40-point blowouts because, I mean, if you look at the Detroit team, it was Drummond, Reggie Jackson are the NBA players on there. And then from there, that just drops considerably from just a talent standpoint. And people say he's inconsistent, but what he is consistently is a rebounder, right? He's a dominant rebounder. He's averaging 13 rebounds a game in Cleveland this year, like just... Just in that season, this season alone, he's averaging 13 rebounds a game. He's led the he's led the league in offensive rebounding for like seven straight years at one point. And we we looked at Mark as like the JaVale replacement kind of um over the offseason. I, I don't look at Drummond as like the Dwight replacement, but he's obviously gonna fill that role in some sense. I don't think he has the same like basketball. IQ uh, the defensive player of the year IQ Dwight has but he can do some of the same things he can still jump he has great hands like when he gets I was watching a lot of his plays yesterday he, he can he catches lobs with one hands and jams it just a different total talent level from bigs that we've had and um, yeah he's not gonna you know he does a lot of weird things in Cleveland he like it's very JaVale like he'll try to do dribble in and out dribbles and try to finish at the rim and that's why his percentage at the rim is so low he takes these like flip layup finger rolls for no reason which i think will, should be schemed out for when, when he plays here but yeah he's a he's the most talented guy on the buyout market in my opinion like he was the biggest guy there's a reason all these guys are bought out they're not perfect players you expecting any of them to be a you know lead player on a team just doesn't make sense he's gonna fill a role and the lakers got him for versatility um i don't mm. know if he'll start or not but you know, he he can play now. They're like huge again. Right. They have they have Drummond, uh, Anthony Davis, uh, Gasol. And they're, now they're just massive uh, once again. So we'll we'll see how he how he plays. But I think he's going to fit in perfectly um, to this team.
0: Well, that part was the the part that I think is most interesting. Like they kind of <laughs> regained some of that massive physical identity that they had last year. Just this we are going to physically beat the hell out of you. 48 minutes, that kind of identity, which had been lost a little bit just because Mark's a little more finesse and, and uh, Montrezl Harrell's a little small. And so they've kind of regained that, which, which is good. But I think like you know uh, for the record, just just up front, and you know there's no point in even talking about this too long but i I preferred Lamarcus Aldridge, and i told I'm pretty sure I told you that i i may mm-hmm. have, uh, mm-hmm. may or may not have covered that, but I just thought the Lakers had a spacing problem and and you're more or less going to be riding a d at the five when things get really serious, so in your bench lineups, I liked the flexibility of having a perimeter shooter, really elite offensive player uh, uh to kind of just open things up for your bench lineups, which have historically struggled to score. Um, uh, but that said, like the Drummond's going to be fine and he absolutely makes the Lakers better. It just was the, you know, differing, but it's no different than talking about before the season, whether or not you wanted Dennis Schroeder or Spencer Dinwiddie, they were both going to make the Lakers better. It was just kind of a stylistic difference that you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. but as far as, as far as Drummond goes in his, in his impact, I like the example you brought up of last year with all the players that the Lakers signed. Cause with every single one of them, there was similar skepticism. You know, like Clipper fans were absolutely uh, uh, like uh, just making endless jokes and slandering Laker fans for being excited about Avery Bradley because they're like, oh, Avery Bradley is completely washed. You know, we watched him last year. We know he sucks. And then Avery Bradley ended up being, you know, arguably one of the most important players for the Lakers last year because of his point of attack defense. And, you know, thankfully, Dennis Schroeder was able to replace that. But it, uh, Avery Bradley was immensely important. Uh, uh, same thing goes for Dwight Howard, you know, uh, JaVale McGee and Rondo, we had a little bit more uh, exposure to leading into it, but there were a lot of players last year that, uh, uh, that we were, that people were led to believe that they, in previous destinations had been inferior players that when plugged into a system with a dominant persona like LeBron to hold them accountable, and then these much smaller roles where they could, kind of devote their limited talents toward the specific thing that they're being asked to do, that they excelled. And, and to me, that, that, to me that's kind of a proven method. Now, you need all of those things. You need the coaching. You need the environment. You need the star you know, persona. You need the, the specific role that they can slide into. But when you have those things, there are tons of examples in basketball history of that actually working out really, really well. And so, you know, when we look at what Andre Drummond does, and I, I think you should trust the people that uh, uh, you should trust the people that watch these games. Um, if you talk to any Pistons fan or any Cavs fan, they tell you when he was locked in, he was an elite defensive player, not just good, but an elite defensive player. Uh, but then they'll tell you that he faded in and, out of, in and out of games from a focus standpoint. So then, what you tell yourself is that won't be allowed with the Lakers. That focus slipping in and out, inconsistent effort thing, he'll get caught up in the contagious effort of the Lakers, who have been the most consistent defensive effort team in the league this year. And then, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in terms of uh, of uh, uh, his specific skill set, size, rebounding, protecting the rim, that sort of thing, that is an absolutely perfect shoe in fit for what the Lakers need out of the five position. When they play more like last year, where they sacrifice spacing for defense, it's a clean fit, and so I personally predict that it will go really well. Um, but I just, I just have a problem with anybody being like, "Did you watch any of Drummond last year? He sucks." It's like, yeah, I don't think Colin Sexton was the guy to unlock what he could do offensively. And 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 you're right. Like if he's if he's driving into the lane and throwing up crazy finger rolls, that's a problem. But guess what's going to happen? Like a dirty look from LeBron. And, and and probably a conversation behind the scenes where he tells him to cut that shit out. So I just am not worried about that.
1: Yeah, and we, we would see JaVale do that like once or twice a game, right? But, I mean, that was pretty much it. He would get his leeway to do it once. It would be out of the way. That's kind of how I see it here. And I'm just, it's crazy because you, you see people say that, you know, he's been bad in Cleveland. But they say, like, before the Jared Allen trade, he was great. You know, like, he was really consistent. And the Cavs were – people forget I'm the season's long, but – the Cavs were like winning when he was playing that first that first um, few games, I believe. Pistons fans kind of really um, try to back him up as well, say he was a lot better than uh, th- than they say he was. So. I think he's gonna be fine um and, and really fit into what we're doing here. And he's not gonna get 30 minutes a game here. You know what I mean? Like he he there's just no time for him to um you know be lackadaisical on the court because he's not gonna get the minutes. He's gonna have a few he's gonna have like fifteen to twenty minutes a game to try to dominate. This is a contract year for him as well. He's he's trying to get paid. So the only thing he can do is try to buy in because if he doesn't buy in here, then, I mean, that's probably his final real big shot at a big contract. Well, he can get another one-year deal, Um, I guess. Uh, I want to really quick touch on Aldridge because I see a lot of people who are kind of attacking his name. And I remember you were really high on LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, You really wanted the Lakers to kind of go after him. Um, He's going to be great on that Miami team. I mean, sorry, on that uh Brooklyn team. Uh, he's going to get open looks. So it's just weird saying people like, saying that he's, he's washed or whatever. I think he's going to be great.
0: Back to Drummond. Yeah. So um, one last thing with Drummond as far as it retains to his minutes that I think is interesting. He, the The potential is there for him to play as much as he wants. It's about him maintaining that impact on the game. And his impact on the game is going to be relative to what he does in the minutes that he's available. And, you know, with the motivation of it being a contract year, with the motivation of minutes being available, I think the opportunity is there for him to show that everything we've seen in the last nine years was wrong. That, that is on him. Now, as far as, like, you know, the, what could get ugly is if it goes south – and then he falls out of the rotation, but the Lakers always have the flexibility to waive him if something like that mm-hmm. happens. Um, uh, but I mean, that would be I, that would be a nightmare scenario. It'd be, it would be very much to his detriment to allow something like that to happen. Then he's looking at being on veteran minimums for the rest of his career. Because if it's like if you can't succeed here, <laughs> you know where yeah. where are you going to succeed? The Dwight the Dwight Howard model is a is a classic example. And Dwight, by the way, is over in Philly getting ejected from every single game because he doesn't have the star accountability uh, that he had when he was under LeBron. So yeah. I, I, I remain optimistic.
1: Yeah, and this isn't Cleveland, right? I mean, this isn't like a place to do that with. I mean, you, the, the, you know who the leadership here is on this team. I and mean, this is LeBron's team, Anthony Davis' team, and then everyone else kind of falls in line. And I think it says a lot that those two, I think it was reported by Woj, that those two have been recruiting him pretty heavily um, throughout this, I don't know how, like, how, true that is but i mean that's what the report is and i don't think those two are just going to recruit anybody i mean they kind of understand the talent at least that's there and um they they can try to tap into that and then another like kind of wrinkle to this is frank vogel right he's gonna put him in a great uh, position to succeed here i mean uh, if anyone can get him to you know play the correct coverages to be in a drop coverage or I was watching like in Cleveland, they did a lot of the drop coverage and he was good in that. Like he was, he was able to take away the rim and take away the lob at the same time. The Lakers guards are so much better defensively, in my opinion, than those, those guys have over there. And um, they're going to give him space to kind of, uh, he's not too much of a shot blocker, but I mean, he really does detest the rim. And I think he's going to be great here. Him and AD are going to be in a crazy offensive rebound. Harold as well. All three of those are crazy offensive rebound rates that teams are going to have to deal with. So. Yeah, I think that I think he'll be fine here. And yeah, it's like a low risk, high reward situation, because if he's not playing well, he just won't play. That's just how it will go. The Lakers have a three center rotation, maybe four even uh, when you go into the playoffs. So he's going to have to fit in and play well in his minutes to to earn time here.
0: Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see, too. Uh, the thing that gets tricky with bringing him on at this point in the season is the way that the injuries to LeBron and AD will cause him to be you know, exposed to a different role to start. Because my guess is they will give it to him a little bit in the post. My guess is he will be a little more offensively, uh, 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 you know, utilized and that he will be under less accountability because LeBron and AD are going to be over on the sideline as opposed to out on the floor with him yelling and screaming at him to do the right things. So that's where it gets a little tricky. And and I think, I think, we need to all mentally prepare ourselves for like an initial phase of this process that could get ugly, uh, where he's going to look like he's not a good fit and kind of similar to what we're going to talk about later today, as it pertains to Alex Caruso and some of these other role players who have looked a little bit overmatched uh, in this last week. So I think, I think we need to prepare ourselves to look ugly for it to look ugly and remember that there's a larger vision here uh, that 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 will present a better opportunity to analyze what he brings to the table. And it's going to be in a few weeks when LeBron and AD come back and and not, you know, when he plays, you know, on Tuesday, uh, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty ugly last night. So, I mean, it can't can't get that. It can't get
0: that much more ugly. um, Exactly. 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 Um, so let's let's move on to this trade deadline thing. So uh, uh, to be clear, I'm going to like very quickly lay out my case for, for why I thought the Lakers should have traded for Kyle Lowry. So we have pretty good intel at this point that, uh, uh, that had they pr- uh, included Talon Horton Tucker in the trade, they would have gotten Kyle Lowry. The, the framework of the trade was there. It was Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Dennis Schroeder, Talon Horton Tucker, uh, for a uh, straight up swap for Kyle Lowry. so here, here's this is my philosophy on that. First of all, we've talked about Talon Horton Tucker and his long term potential with the Lakers at length. Uh, uh, we think that we, we see him as like somewhere between an Aaron Gordon and maybe a little bit better defensive uh, two way player version of Aaron Gordon. But that's going to be somewhere around like five years down the line. And we have concerns about whether or not, you know, LeBron's age will eventually become a factor to where uh, uh, you'll never be able to capitalize on all of those things at the same time. However, you know, uh, uh, the trick is the counter. the, The one thing that I did understand as a negative of that trade, and I would imagine you'll bring this up is that uh, the Lakers have guard depth. It's something that has always been something that uh, uh, they've leaned on this year. If Wesley Matthews goes down with an ankle injury, they've got depth. Catavius Caldwell-Pope goes down, they've got depth. Same thing even with Dennis Schroeder. Mind you, they needed they were lacking offensive creation, but they had four guards that they could fall back on when Schroeder went out for a week. So if you trade three of them for one, now all of a sudden your five-guard core becomes a three-guard core, and there's a depth problem. However you know, especially given the fact that the Lakers asked their guards to play really limited roles, you always had the fallback of the buyout market. So I always thought that, you know, a guy like Avery Bradley would be available you know, maybe you could get a Wayne Ellington or something along those lines who could slide into that role on the cheap and give you back, get you back to a four guard role. And without a doubt, in my opinion, Kyle Lowry is a better player than Dennis Shooter by some discernible amount, especially in a playoff series. And so I just saw that as an opportunity to kind of push your chips in the middle and forego, you know, if Tyler Harrow to me did not make sense because Tyler Harrow like right now, is already a contributor. He's not as good as Heat fans think he is, but he's a contributor. And he had success in late-round playoff series last year. He made a lot of big shots against the Lakers, and he uh, um, had the game against the Celtics where he just went absolutely berserk, and, and that arguably swung that series. <laughs> and and so, so my point was, is like at least with Miami, they're looking at this like, like Tyler Harrow plays for us right now and right now is impactful in, in our championship pursuit. Horton Tucker is a, is a fringe rotation guy. Like, he's in the rotation now, but there's a question as to whether or not he will be in the rotation when the playoffs come. And, and there are nights where he looks like Ooh, I'm not sure if he's ready for this. So, there, uh, so I see that I, I viewed it as a, as the Lakers passing on an opportunity to increase their chances right now at the expense of uh, of of some future piece that may or may not materialize into something. And, and I, I I just saw it as a potential missed opportunity. And, and I'm worried that there will be a late round playoff series, whether it, whether it's against the Clippers or the Nets, where you're going to be looking at it like man, like. Kyle Lowry might have been enough to get this done and and that's that that would be my concern
1: yeah to be clear like I don't hate Kyle Lowry I think he's an awesome you know basketball player I think he's really good even at his age at 35 he's a super effective point guard Um, all defense type point guard uh, hits threes can attack the basket all that I just I don't like the framing of it as the Lakers pick THT over Kyle Lowry because I just don't think that's the case. THT to me is the like straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. He's not the, he's not the actual weight that was put onto this trade, right? But it's being framed that way. I mean. Credit to whoever's framing it out there because that is what the framing has become. It's because, oh, my God, Lakers picked THT over Kyle Lowry. They must really believe – well, they do believe in him. LeBron believes in him. Clutch believes in him. But that wasn't the point of this. The point is that the Lakers would, ha- would have had to give up because Kyle Lowry makes $30 million a year. The Lakers don't have some trade exceptions, so they have to match up to, like, some 80 or 85% of the salary. They had to give up Dennis Schroeder, who the Lakers – I know the Lakers have their qualms with Danny Green, but they gave up a starter, a finals-level starter – a first round pick for Dennis Schroeder, who they're looking to keep right this year. Who's twenty seven, a young point guard who's played really well next to the two, two superstars. KCP again, I know he's struggling right now, but this is I'm going to use your Tyler Hero Theory right. Like he was really good in the playoffs. He hit big shots. He was also a starter. So you're giving him two final start two starters who started on a championship team. Plus, and then you you throw in the Lakers, pretty much most prized. Uh, I don't like to call players assets and possessions or whatever but the lakers most biggest trade piece right is taylor tucker there's no qualms about that that, that that's pretty clear the lakers don't have many first round picks going forward tht has shown enough potential to even be thrown into tyler hero type talks shows a lot to me right i mean he's yeah, played, he hasn't sure. even played he hasn't even played 40 games in a season yet you know in, in his entire career i don't think so um to to show him to be able to to be in that is is a big deal and i and Kyle, like you throw Kyle Lowry on this team right now, and you throw away, those, you take those three guards away. It's it's going to be a really big struggle. I mean, and and also you don't know when LeBron's coming back. You don't know if AD's coming back. Knock on wood, they come back this year. But let's say they don't come back healthy. Now you gave you know all that up for Kyle Lowry to contend with Marcus All and you know maybe an unhealthy team around. It's just I I just don't think he bridges the gap between them and like Brooklyn, because that's what, who we're talking about here. Right. I mean, I don't think anyone else, anyone else in the West really scares it, the Clippers maybe, but, and then also those moves by Brooklyn. I mean, Blake Griffin, Marcus are great. They're going to be great for them. I just don't think they push the margin of error enough, or you had to throw all these chips for Kyle Lowry, who, again, who's, who's a great player, but he's 35, right. He's going to turn 36 going forward. Do you want to pay him? Cause he wants an extension. Did you want to pay him another two years? Fifty million, which was gonna you were gonna have to do to keep him. So I think all those factors into it. Um, I'm, I'm glad they stayed. They stayed still. I feel like the asking asking price was a little high. Maybe if it was just Schroeder and KCP, then maybe you know we can talk about it. But you know. I think that's a that was a really tough thing for the Lakers to throw in. And again, if they made the trade, I wouldn't have been mad. Kyle Lowry is an amazing player. He pushes your ceiling up. I disagree how much higher he pushes the ceiling up, but he does push the ceiling up a little bit. But in this season, with no teams practicing, all this chaos of you know COVID and you know LeBron and AD are out and, and all this stuff, it's just hard to throw another wrench. And I think this team deserved to show because in the off season, if you remember, we talked about how talented this roster was, right? And I just feel like they they should get a chance to kind of show that. And I would have been sad if, if they, you know, mortgaged all that, not mortgage, but if they just, you know, decided to throw away that, that chance of potential that this, that we saw in the off season for, for a mid season move for Kyle Lowry. So that's, that's my case on it.
0: So again, I, I understand where you're coming from in the sense that if you frame it as two final starters, a first round draft pick and Talon Horton Tr- Tucker, for uh, uh, for Kyle Lowry, it seems like an overpay. I get that. Um, however, the the way that I would I would uh, uh, qualify all of that is that a lot of times, you know, like guys who would be considered starters that uh, uh, in other situations would be less valuable. So, for instance, Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell Pope succeed because they play next to LeBron and AD in large part. KCP was you know, uh, a non-impactful player for the Lakers before LeBron and AD came aboard. Uh, Danny Green was kind of floundering a bit in San Antonio uh, uh, before he ended up in Toronto in that awesome role, in, in the Lakers in that awesome role. And I'm not trying to undercut what they do. I'm just saying, like, it's not as clear-cut as, like, a, you know, as, as a more, uh, more, like, significant starting role piece. Um, kind of like the way Dennis Schroeder is now, where, like, he's a legitimate... You know, uh, uh, the starting point guard in the NBA type of talent. Now, as far as the uh, 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 the trade goes, you know, when when we're quantifying Kyle Lowry's value, I think it's it's more complicated than just Kyle Lowry's a little bit better than Dennis Schroeder. So, but what I, that that small gap that exists between LeBron and Dennis Schroeder is more magnified when you get into the playoffs. And the the way that I quantify that is like, you know, uh, a Dennis Schroeder um, uh, uh, type of player has kind of middled around on various teams that have made it to the first round of the playoffs and things along those lines. Kyle Lowry was, you know, the best player on a Toronto Raptors team that had a couple of deep playoff runs and has made a lot of, of really, really big playoff shots. And, uh, um, you know, for example, like when you think about Kyle Lowry, you think about you know, the shot that he hit over, gosh, who was it that he made it over? I think it was Kemba Walker to, to extend the series against the Celtics mm-hmm. to game seven last year. You think about, you know, the NBA finals game six, him coming down and just going like crazy in the first quarter and making a bunch of shots to, to get that uh, uh, series off to such a great start or that game off to such a great start. That's the kind of thing that happens when you're that level of talent even, even though it's just, it's like tiers. If you're setting up tiers, you know, you're putting your superstars in one tier and then you're putting your stars in the next tier. And then there's like this third tier of like fringe stars. And then there's like the Dennis Schroeder types, which are like in that fourth tier, which is like above average starting NBA players. You know what I mean? Like a guy who on any given night might go for 2025, but he's more of just like a, he's really good at specific things, but he has these like clear flaws. Like Kyle Lowry's in that next tier. And to me, those tiers don't mean as much in a regular season. They seem weird when you're talking about contract values and how much you might pay somebody, but they make a significant difference in a playoff series. That, That kind of thing is the margin that might make up the difference between you you know, like I said, beating a team that you might be overmatched against, like a a Brooklyn Nets type of team. And so my thing is, like, it'll just be – it'll be sad, in my opinion, if they get to Brooklyn and they end up losing because there's a talent gap. And then THT develops into a borderline star, but then LeBron ages out and, you know, maybe AD has health problems. And then you're sitting there in the future and you're like, okay, we got THT, but – You know, this didn't work out like you're betting like to me, the bigger gamble is gambling on a young player's success rather than gambling in the moment on the potential, the potential to win a title. And I mean, we're like uh, there's there's a lot of optimism surrounding the Laker fan base. This idea that, you know, they have enough to win two, three more with A.D. And I'm one of those guys. I'm optimistic that they can. But that is not guaranteed. And just as easily it could end up being, you know, a failure uh, looking back and going like, man, they only won one. And that could be health related. That could be. But it could also be based on stuff like this, like not making the aggressive moves that you need to uh, in order to put them there. But I I for the record, I see where you're coming from. And there's there's also no guarantee that you could get a buyout guy. And I would have been concerned if they only had three guards. So I, I see I see where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. And it looks like, I mean, if you look at the buyout market, I mean, guards are just not, you know, you don't just get guards on the buyout market. The buyout market's more a lot of centers and bigs, you know, that that get bought out not not very much guards. And that's just really tough to go into the, the playoffs with that low of a guard rotation. And then Schroeder, he's not as good as Kyle Lowry. I mean, I, that's pretty clear. I, I, I feel like he's a he's an above average starter. Kyle Lowry's probably an all star all star level kind of point guard, um, especially in the playoffs. Um, but you know, Kyle Lowry had his playoff struggles as well. I mean, I'm not trying to attack on Kyle Lowry, but like you know, there's a long time where he was seen as a guy that doesn't play well in the playoffs, and then obviously he broke through that barrier um, after a couple of years. Uh, he ran into a LeBron a lot, to be honest, which is kind of ironic there. But yeah. I see where you're coming from. I think I think the trade would have been fine. I think they would have won and still. I just don't think their margin would have increased as much um, with Kyle Lowry. Um, he's also mm-hmm. a different type of player. Schroeder is a guy who picks up full court. He's a kind of more speed use attack isolation ball handler type of point guard um Kyle Lowry's more still I believe more of an off ball guard I don't know if you would agree with that um, he's, he's the, okay
0: he's a decent playmaker and he's a he, is a really good shooter that's oh, yeah I mean,
1: mm. that that's the part that he's a lot better he's a lot better shooter um but I mean people come here and can't shoot so I'd be worried I'd be worried about that but <laughs> but uh yeah no he would have been great it's just again the age kind of I mean LeBron's a cyborg I mean people are like oh but LeBron's 35 well I mean using LeBron for you know comparison metrics just don't really match because that guy's a that guy's like a one in a million kind of universe type of developer at that age you know most guards at that age start to fall chris paul's not the same chris paul's still amazing but he's not what he was that now he's at like 35 36 and i'd worry about that with lowry as well but i think he would have been fine if they got him but i'm i was really against it and i'm glad that they uh that they stayed they still stayed still
0: yeah, and like uh, like we said at the very beginning, there's no point in dwelling on it for too long. I mean, the reality is, is that uh, uh, the Lakers decided not to make the move, uh, so now they're committed to Dennis Schroeder. Shooter is probably going to be here for the next uh, four years after this one. Uh, THT is probably going to sign an ex- uh, a, 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 his second deal this summer, and he's probably going to be – around for a long time so this is what it is and so that means that you can um uh you can do a better job of projecting this team forward because we know what they are and the mm-hmm. nice thing is is they're going to have a bunch of these tradable contracts now in the future because THT probably going to sign you know somewhere in that 10 to 15 million dollar range Alex Caruso is probably going to sign somewhere in the 7 to 10 million dollar range you know Dennis Schroeder is probably going to sign in the 20 to 22 million dollar range so the Lakers in a way that they haven't in the past are going to have a bunch more of these like tradable type of salaries that are at these middle, uh, you know, middle ground areas. And that's going to give the Lakers more flexibility in the future to be able to make trades that they weren't able to make uh, uh, this year. Uh, so mm-hmm. the, you, you're not always tied down. It just, uh, but, but you're right. And, and Dennis Schroeder, he's different than Kyle Lowry, but he brings a lot to the table that, that, that really helps his team. And I still like their chances. I just, you know, part of this comes from, the Brooklyn Nets look so good, man. Like, they look so good. And, you know, I was so taken aback by the LaMarcus Aldridge signing because I thought he was the best of these big men, the best of these buyout guys that were available. Because when you looked at all of the the guys and what they brought to the table, you know, you know, Blake Griffin, I thought, was bad on both ends. Like, I think he's a weak defensive player and a below average offensive player. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge, I think, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, you know, Andre Drummond, he had his effort issues and 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 there's some concern as to whether or not, you know, he's one of the worst finishers around the rim in the league and all this other stuff. And LaMarcus Aldridge fell out of the rotation in San Antonio because he couldn't defend. He was a bad defensive player, but LaMarcus, and also because they're kind of going in on some youth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but LaMarcus Aldridge is still like one of the best pick and pop bigs in the league. And he literally terrifies defenses when he pops and he's open. And he can win you basketball games. And so I saw him as a, as a, as a huge pickup. And so when Brooklyn got LaMarcus Aldridge, and they're already whooping everybody's ass without KD. Like, literally, the, the games that are close involve Kyrie out and just Harden. And mm-hmm. even then, they're winning most of those. I think they've won all of them but one or two. So the, the, the Brooklyn Nets are out here whooping everybody's ass. And, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, well, we're bigger, we're more physical, we're, we're going to beat them. And don't get me wrong, like, I think the Lakers have a chance to beat them. I really do. Uh, but you need every advantage. And, and, that's, and that's why I kind of was, was pro that move. But we've talked about it enough, and, and, I, and I think we respect each other's opinions. We just disagree, which is fine. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about uh, uh, where the Lakers are at right now. So we, you know, the Shams reported after the trade deadline that AD was about two weeks out. So that would put him about a week from this Thursday. And that LeBron was at that point three to five weeks out. So best case scenario, LeBron in three weeks, LeBron in, in or AD in two weeks. Uh, my guess is that if LeBron's feeling better, they may try to bring them both back together. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, uh, yeah, you got a lot, lot of flack for
1: that. You got a lot of flack for that. I remember
0: you said I would bring both of them together. <laughs> I just, and my, my whole thought process behind that was really simple. I just wanted them to have it easy. I didn't like mm-hmm. to me coming back from an injury, you, you, you have a, like the, 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 the reason why people get hurt, you know, for the most part is they know their body has a limitation, whether it's, you know, me putting on weight because I didn't play for two weeks. And then I came back and then, you know, you're in a game and all of a sudden you're like, I want to win this game. So you push yourself a little bit further than you probably would have if there weren't stakes. And then you end up getting yourself hurt. And that's what I worry about with LeBron and AD is they come back uh anyway, you uh you find yourself in a situation where your competitive nature kicks in and you end up uh, uh and you end up pushing yourself too hard and you get hurt. That was the only, only reason behind that. But anyway, they're going to l- absolute bare minimum two more weeks without these guys. A couple things that I think are interesting. One, they're still they're fifth in the league in defense since LeBron went out. Can you believe that? Uh I now a l- little bit of context there. They uh uh have played two really bad teams as of late. Um, But the flip side of that is who is it they played that they almost beat the other day? Uh, The one Philly, like they Mm -hmm. played really good defense against Philly, especially in the second half. Um, So my, the the defense is still there, which is what we expected. Uh, They're absolute dead last in offense since LeBron went out uh, averaging just over 100 points per 100 possessions. Uh, uh, But there is, there is a distinct thing that they still bring to the table, which is they compete on the defensive end of the floor. Um. Uh. But the the, the the there's a couple of games that they could potentially steal here on the horizon as well. There's that game against the Raptors, and then there's a game against the Kings. But it's It could, like if with them with their inability to score, I think it could get really ugly. Um. Uh, but what what has been your big takeaway from watching them in the last week without uh, LeBron and AD? Yeah. So like.
1: I said before, like, I'm trying to look for things that we can take into the playoffs, right? Because right now, looking the scoreboard to me doesn't really matter, except for these last two games that you needed to win against the Cavs and the Magic, however ugly and however close it was. You need to get those. But going forward, there's going to be a lot of there's Bucks, I think Clippers, um, Heat, all coming up. And those are just, I mean, they're not going to be favored even close to any of these. So uh the things I want to look at is, like, the defense is still there. They're still defending like hell. The guards are really going after it. I thought... Like Alex Caruso, he got a lot of flack last night, but I thought he dominated that second quarter. Like his defense was insane. He got a deflection on almost every play. Uh, he was driving, kicking, and all that. So the defense is still there. Um, but the main thing I, I want to look at is the Schroeder-Harrell kind of two-man game because I think that's the thing that we can take into the playoffs, right? That's the main part. All this other stuff is going to be moving. Um, all those other to all of those other players pretty much play specifically off LeBron and AD, right? Even the shooters KCP. All those dudes are going to be playing off them. Trudeau and Harold, the two guys that in a playoff series have to be able to create offense together. They just they just are. I know LeBron and AD are going to be playing most of the game, but. Just to have those two start to build chemistry. Uh, we talked about it earlier that, um, since Shooter was starting and Harold was coming off the bench, their minutes weren't really colliding, right? Cause they were, uh, Shooter was playing more with just LeBron on the floor. And we, we got into that, but now those two are closing games. Last night they went to their Trez, um, Shooter pick and roll like four straight possessions. Um, they had Shooter coming off like Iverson's cuts to, to Harold, uh, to Harold coming and screening and getting him on the roll. And that's the thing that I can see building every game, like their chemistry with it. They're starting to understand where each other wants to ball, where to find him. And I think that's my main takeaway from this whole stretch is I want those two to build as much chemistry as they can together. And I think you're starting to see it. They're starting to go to it. Schroeder looked as comfortable as I've seen him last night. Like he understood he was the lead guy that he was going to be able to um, just get any shot he wants. He didn't force anything early. He started to take shots late and got to the line. And, you know, if you want to command $22 million a year, this is where – you make your your money from you need to show that you can win these type of games and he showed it last night that he he was able to get comfortable but uh, what are you seeing from from the from this stretch
0: that's a good point the uh the the spamming of actions that you could run when lebron and ad come back that's a because that kind of thing just takes time like i i just you know i'll give you an example like I, one of my uh, a dude who's in my wedding one of my good friends we played high school basketball together he ended up playing at the university of arizona his name is matt And, uh, uh, him and I, you know, after college, we started playing in these men's leagues together and you just, we, at first when we started playing together, we just had no chemistry. We couldn't figure anything out. I was, I was a primary ball handler. He was like a screen and roll guy, screen and pop guy over the course of years, him and I built a certain amount of chemistry and now mm-hmm. it's like one of our most surefire plays that we can run is just getting him and I together and screen. Part of that is the fact that in uh, any sort of unorganized basketball environment, they can't guard screen and roll because you, have to, you yeah. have to practice, you have to practice guarding screen and roll. But the point is, is like you give Kuzma and, and Trez a bunch of reps, you give Schroeder and Trez a bunch of reps, you get, Hey, get Drummond in there, have Drummond run a ton of reps with Dennis Schroeder, getting them to run uh, uh, tons and tons of reps together, even in losses is it just builds that chemistry to where, you know, in minutes where, you know, LeBron's running the bench lineups, but he's kind of resting on the floor cause he just ran three straight actions. And so now Schroeder's going to run a pick and roll with Trez. It makes it a higher percentage play. You know, we saw that with Trez and Lou Williams over the years that they played together. They built that chemistry mm-hmm. to make that a really dominant play. And so I, I, I'm with you. There's a lot to gain in the sense that they can practice uh, uh, specific actions. I just hope my number one thing is do all that all you want. Just don't lose your identity. Continue to defend and compete on, on the defensive end of the ball. And for the record, they have, which is which is to me really impressive because they don't have – you know, so much of what they do defensively is unlocked by having these two ridiculously versatile forwards in LeBron and Anthony Davis that can switch everything that can shut down specific actions and can guard the back line. And, and, and they're out right now and they're still defending at an extremely high level, which I think is really impressive. Um, as far go ahead,
1: I was going to ask you about this because, like, I know everyone's saying we're waiting for LeBron and AD to come back and all that. But, like, just watching these games, like, watching them break open three after open three, that has nothing to do with LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? Like, that's just a mental—like, KCP is shooting 25% on his open three since LeBron and AD went out. Like, that has nothing to do with LeBron and AD. That's him missing wide open shots. I'm just wondering what you're taking on that because I think he's just in a mental kind of hurdle right now i thought the all-star break would fix it It really hasn't he looks healthy now though like he doesn't look like he's tired he looks like he's running he looks he's still like disengaged on defense on a lot of possessions but i think that'll come it's just do you think that fixes when lebron AD goes back like what do you what do you see from there because i'm i'm starting to get a little worried like his benefit of the doubt is big right you know when you play that well in a playoff series your rope is long right? like, like from there but it's starting to like really cut like I, I can see like the frustrations are really starting to build so do you where do you see from there? Because I, I don't know how that's a LeBron and AD problem. Like, I guess LeBron gets you the ball in a little better situation. You are you know, he hits in the pocket pass a little more. But I'm watching these games, and the passes he's getting are perfectly fine. He's in rhythm. He's shooting at, in rhythm. It's just not going in. So it's just like a slump you think he'll get out of. Because, you know, shooters usually hit their open looks. I don't expect KCP to, like, run ball screen actions and hit pull-up mid-rangers. But, you know, hit your open threes. That's That's what I'm wondering.
0: So I agree that, that they're in a funk. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. This, kind of thing is, this kind of thing is contagious. It just is. Uh, right. uh, however, as I tweeted out this morning, the, the Lakers are uh, shooting about 38% when both LeBron and AD are on the floor from three. 37% with just LeBron. Uh, and then without both of them, they're shooting about 30 and a half. So just below 31% from three. Uh, now you're right. Like you can kind of disseminate that down into like open looks and, and different, like off the dribble shots and defend like heavily contested shots and so on and so forth. And don't get me wrong. Those numbers are concerning, but as you and I have discussed before, like no two open shots are the same either. It's true. You know, when, when you're in a game where you're not getting as many high quality looks to build your rhythm and then all of a sudden you end up open, that open shot is different then I'm playing with LeBron and AD. I'm consistently getting open looks to build my rhythm. LeBron and AD are feeding my confidence. Our team is winning and we're playing well. All of that plays into the uh uh, the way that shooting works like and and, you know there there are so many you know analytics guys that get involved with shooting and they and they run numbers and they go like oh there's no such thing as the hot hand theory there's no such thing as (laughs) as this or that or this or that it's just simple defender this far away you can break it down into a percentage i disagree if you've ever played basketball you can feel the momentum shift uh, of shooting like pickup games are a great example of it because they're small sample sizes like i play uh, when I play with my group of guys that I play with in the mornings, we play to nine twos and threes. So the games end super fast. And we do that on purpose because it, it breeds really high quality basketball because if you trick off one or two possessions, it'll cost you the game. And you can feel that flow where where you're missing your open shots and other guys are making more contested shots on the other team because of that momentum shift. It's a team-wide confidence it is a team wide. Uh, uh, it's it's a team wide, um, uh, like 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 momentum, as mm-hmm. when it comes to making when it comes to making shots, and you can feel that with the Lakers when LeBron's on the floor, then they're generating higher quality shots. They just tend to go in, and, and, right. and then you can feel it when they're off the floor. It just it's almost like this like a cloud hanging over the team. Where right. you, you could sense, you could sense it from the fan base too. They're all like, Oh, we can't shoot. We can't shoot. And you almost see KCP thinking like, I can't shoot. I can't shoot. Like, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, no, dude, you're fine. You're just, you're not getting as many open shots. And now you're in your own head. And the team's not very good right now. So like, even with as good as they've played defensively, they're two and three without LeBron and AD. So, uh, in this recent stretch. So there's just my thing is like i uh, of all of the things that i worry about with the lakers their shooting is pretty far down on that list i just we've seen so many times over the last two years them go cold for stretches and it's usually related to something funky and and the the reality is is they end up being just fine uh when the playoffs come lebron and ad are super uh locked in like another big thing is uh, one of the most popular forms of, of three point shooting is the offensive rebound kickback. Cause the defense is always out of position. Uh, yeah. they you know, they're maybe they're running the floor in transition or something. They're out of position. Uh, but yeah, yeah that's true. He's going to help a lot
1: with that. And, Man, but it's like, you know, we, we play like, you know, when the ball moves and it hits like three different people, then it hits that last shooter. That ball is likely to go in. Right. We have these cliches to say, like, the ball finds energy. That's how I was surprised last night. The Lakers had a few plays where like they drive, kick, drive, kick, move, move, move. And then like it gets to that corner shooter wide open, beautiful ball movement, and it just clanks. I'm like, oh, that is really shocking. That really shows that like there's some kind of mental hurdle that's going on. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. It's just interesting when you look at the numbers man tht is shooting like 14% on wide open threes in this in this stretch like he he's really falling off he's hitting that like sh- that rookie shooting wall i guess he's still playing okay still getting to the rim but yeah i think i think their shooting will be fine it's just right now they're obviously in a slump but their margin for error is so low you know what i mean like it's so small that when your best shooter is not hitting open threes it just puts pressure on everyone else To score, I I saw a number from I think at Pickup Hoop tweeted it. They have like a ninety one point one offensive rating without Trez on the floor during this stretch, and with Trez, it's like one hundred one or something, one hundred two, which is just ridiculous. It's not great either way. That's a that's the worst offense in the league on both positions on both times, but that shows just how much of a struggle it is to generate offense
0: so and that's the thing like like montrez harrell is a matchup nightmare for other teams and puts pressure on the rim and all of that stuff like i'm just basketball is such a is such a natural flow like it's like it's like when we talk about free throw shooting it's the the physically aggressive the physically aggressive team is the one that actually shoots more free throws which is counterintuitive because you think (laughs) the team that's being more physically aggressive is committing more there is a there is a natural like waterfall effect in basketball when you are physically aggressive, you put more pressure on the rim, you generate higher quality shots, your guys start making shots, mm-hmm. you start drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line. It's just this like waterfall effect. And and I believe in the Lakers formula, they were built in a very specific way. They didn't want uh, a Reggie Jackson. They didn't they, they didn't want, you know, a Wayne Ellington or any of these guys that were offensive oriented players they wanted guards and wings that fit very specific roles next to LeBron and Anthony Davis and so I'm not going to hyper analyze or or, or or you know overthink what this basketball looks like right now uh it just it just was never the point point. and you know uh you know Frank Vogel catches a lot of slander these days for the offense and I want to be yeah. like you know if they if, if the Lakers had signed Mike D'Antoni to be the head coach last year, I don't think they're as good. I really don't. No. Because, you, you know, the whole point of the LeBron experience is he can be your offensive head coach. And, yeah, mm-hmm. his style's a little bit unorthodox, so it's the mm-hmm. Steph Curry style, like you don't you don't want to have like no, there's there's not a roster in the league where you want another guy to be handling the ball and have your superstar just flying off of screens all day. That's that 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 works for the Warriors because of Steph's specific skill set, and that's the way that the, the Lakers are built. They were like, we have this unbelievable roll guy, pick and pop out guy, pick and roll guy, post up player, and we've got one of the smartest players to ever play the game. So let's get a defensive minded head coach and a bunch of defensive-minded role players, and let's play into an identity. And, and that's what the Lakers have done. And you know, I, ironically, I think that their defense might allow them to steal some of these games. Because if they compete defensively, they might beat Sacramento. If they compete defensively, they might beat Toronto because the game is going to be a rock fight. And it is just about making a few shots here and there. And you've got enough with Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder to take advantage of some specific matchups and get some shots made at the end. And, you know, when you look at these other teams in the standings, like, you know, uh, the Clippers are resting players every once in a while. Like the the Mavericks are resting Luca every once in a while. The 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 Spurs are heading into a ridiculous, tough stretch of their schedule. Winning four games, like, Beating, uh, 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 beating these last two two teams, and then taking down Toronto and take down uh, uh, Sacramento. That might literally be enough to float you. If you go four and eleven, you know that might be enough to keep you at the sixth seed. And then all of a sudden, LeBron and AD come back, and you go on a run to end the season. So I, I think it's uh, immensely important that uh that you just try to get these these handful of games because you just need to that the difference between going four and 11 and going two and 13 is a huge difference uh in the way that the standings will eventually shake out so i think i think they have something that they can uh you know kind of uh, make work for a couple weeks there
1: yeah and they've been in all these games i mean i feel like they should have won the philly one danny green just turned into ray allen like he was he and. eight threes and- like, the last three were contested, just tough shots. So, and then the Phoenix one, too, was close until the end. Devin Booker and Chris Paul took over at the end. So that's basically how they'll lose these games, but I think they'll fight in them. Their defense will hold them steady, and they don't have the star power to hold up. But if you make these teams have to, you know, play their stars and win it that way, you have a chance. And that's all you ask for. 4-11 would be... I mean, that's not great, but I mean, that would probably keep you above water for now. They're what? I think they're like five games ahead right now of Dallas um, in the standing. So, I mean, that's a lot of ground to try and make up. I mean, it just is. Even with LeBron 80 out, this team's not going to lose like seven, eight in a row. I don't think. Like, I just don't. I know people are thinking like, oh, they might lose 11 in a row. I just never saw that. That's just not. We know that's not how basketball works, really. Like, teams are going ski, to ski, get out wins. And, um, yeah, that, that's kind of how I see it. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll stay above water. And if AD and LeBron can come back in two weeks or LeBron can come back in three and AD come back in the next two weeks, AD will at least push that talent level up, right? And like, he'll, he'll match that talent level up. If he can get on this team and they can start creating And Andre Drummond starts playing well, I think they'll get, get a couple more wins, but this is a super tough stretch. They play Milwaukee next. I mean, that's probably going to be a loss. And then from there, just how to steal wins, like you said, on Sacramento and Toronto, but that's, that's basically your chance. Cause after that, Well, it's an eight-game road trip, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the eight-game road trip is is (laughs) vicious. The the interesting thing to do in terms of bringing AD back would be to, uh, you know, because I don't see LeBron doing a minutes limit. That just doesn't seem like it's Mm -mm. programmed into him. Like, when LeBron comes back, he's going to play 32 minutes at least. So what will be interesting is AD, I do think they'll bring back on a minutes limit. So what Mm -hmm. would be interesting is to bring AD back a week early, and have him play like 15 minutes in the first game, 20 in the second game, 25 in the third game, so on and so forth, and build him up. Um, uh, th- that would be an interesting way to bring him back. But yeah, I no, I agree with you. You made a good point. Like it's like the uh, this is a this is a really good team. Um, they have really good habits. They're not going to go on an 11 game losing streak. They just have to stick to their identity and try to squeeze them out. I do think that this this stretch here is an interesting case study for one of my longstanding theories, which is like. You can coach and scheme defense, uh, but you can't coach and scheme elite offense in late round playoff series. And uh, the example I'd use is like if you look at the Laker roster right now, it's not a super talented defensive roster. Like Marcus All mm-hmm. is old and not very mobile anymore. Montrezl Harrell is kind of like a notoriously bad defensive player in his career. You know, Markeith Morris is okay. Kyle Kuzma has shown flashes, but he's not a guy that you'd call around the league and think is an all-defense guy. Alex Caruso is an all-defense level talent. Dennis Schroeder is an all-defense level talent. But, like, KCP has been okay on that end this year. Wesley Matthews has been okay on that end this year. They have defended on almost, almost solely on the strength of their effort and Frank Vogel's scheming. And I think that's really, really impressive. And it goes to show you that, you know, When you're bringing in a guy like Andre Drummond, like you're really just working on fitting him into the scheme and getting him to play hard. It's not even like like from there, his physical talents will just take over. Um, uh, But I just think it's an interesting case study in, in, in how we value players. And the reason why like I would value a guy like LeBron so much, a guy like Steph so much, Steph in particular, even though he has defensive limitations, because you can scheme a defense. You can get guys to play hard, and have that impact defense, um but you can't tell this. This Laker team tries really, really hard, and they can't score. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that that's not something that can be fixed with effort and focus. If that makes sense,
1: yeah. And and to your point, I mean, I love Damian Jones. I thought he was great. I thought he filled his role. Awesome. He was on ten days for a reason, right? There's a reason he's still not in the league right now. Um. Be- that's because he's just not at that talent level and they just fit him into the starting lineup gasol was out and they were fine on defense they defended well and then uh, the talent gap though between him and drubman is just so large that like just gigantic talent gap so when you fill a guy like that in plus the scheme like you said because the scheme is obviously what's winning them games right now it's them and Schroeder, caruso kcp flying around these screens <laughs> I saw KCB picking up full court. The Lakers had the game in hand, and he had a dumb foul at the end. Um, but, I mean, just just that intensity, right, to play hard. Um, he's not shooting the ball well, but I thought he defended pretty well last night. And that's how they're winning these games. They're funneling these guys to the rim. Trez is doing a nice job in his coverages. He's been switching. Marcus Saul is a lot better than I think people think he is on defense as well um, during this during this stretch, and that's how they're defending. And uh, that's how they'll have to win by defense because they are not going to score enough. Um LeBron. Who do, think probably, gets,
0: who do you think gets squeezed out of the rotation?
1: Uh what do you mean? For like uh when Drummond comes back? Or?
0: There's uh, you got Drummond, Marcus All, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Marquise Morris, Montrez <laughs> Harrell, all, all in the front court. So yeah.
1: that gets squeezed out. I feel like Marcus Al probably gets for now the least amount of minutes because he's older. I don't think he minds as much. Um, I think the playoffs is gonna be super magic dependent, just like it was last year. Um and it's gonna be a lot of AD at the five. I think Marquise Morris is gonna again play spot minutes where he's he can be effective. Same with Trez. Same with Trez probably gonna have a bigger role, but same with uh, Drummond. All those guys are probably gonna be a matchup dependent, just like last year. Um, people worried about the Dwight situation. He didn't play for two rounds. Like just just that, that's what happened. He they, he got benched, I believe, in the Portland series, also in uh, in the Houston series as well. So that's how it'll be, and, and everyone understands that it's LeBron and AD are gonna get their minutes. Everyone else gets their spot minutes around that and that's no different for the center rotation in my opinion
0: so it'll be interesting to see because like houston with the way that they schemed the lakers they had to bench dwight angevale right in and the, and the team that could do that this year potentially would be brooklyn which would suck because you know drummond is such a weapon against brooklyn as a physical presence because like a guy like claxton uh, might be able to compete more defensively on switches and guarding little guards and doing all these little things because he's got all this length. But if you've got a big body like Drummond that can bury him under the rim, you know that that's that's a weapon. So it's like, but you know, Frank Vogel has shown a tendency against these teams that do heavy switching to just go away from their centers altogether. Uh, but that's why I like having all those different matchups. Is Markeith Morris is a perfect guy to throw out for something like that because then they go they do they switch something, Markeith can just run out to the corner. And now you've got spacing for LeBron to attack the switch or for Anthony Davis to attack the switch. So it'll be interesting to see because, you know, my guess is my guess on the rotation stuff is that Drummond and Gasol, similar to JaVale and Dwight, are going to play fourth-center minutes. It's going to be based on who's playing better. If Marcus Gasol has it going and Drummond's in his head and he's not playing his role well, I think you're going to see a lot of Gasol. But if Gasol looks washed and Drummond is being physically dominant, I think you're going to see more Drummond. And then, yeah, against specific matchups, they'll go small and play a lot of LeBron and AD and uh you know maybe kuzma at the foursome it's a depth they have it's a depth problem and they have a lot of depth and it's not necessarily a problem it's just someone's gonna get squeezed now one of the things that i think is super interesting about the lakers and it's so funny because you look back to like the way the lakers were portrayed you know going into last season as this like dumpster fire unorganized basketball Mm -hmm. organization to now it's like they're so well run and and you look at uh uh, you look at Frank Vogel and he's like, yeah, like I just have really upfront conversations with all my players about how much they're mm-hmm. going to play. Like Frank Vogel will walk into the locker room and be like, we're playing Sacramento tomorrow. They don't play a center. So, uh, you know, uh, Andre and Mark, you guys aren't playing tonight. And they'll just and, and I, I admire that because that's so much better than the alternative of like going into a game, doing a heavy warm up getting all emotionally psyched for minutes and then not playing. And then now you're frustrated at the coach and it's brewing underneath the surface. Like the Lakers are handling this like pros. And, and I think that that's cool. And, and it's better to have more guys than you need than, to, than to have the, the, the opposite effect. Like a team like Boston who uh, it doesn't know who to go to when they go to their bench.
1: Yeah. And again, that's, you get that kind of cachet when you win a championship, right? Like that's, that's what you get. And when you have LeBron on your team, who's going to lead it, I mean, that's, you can do things like that. Um, other places it might blow up, but we, we saw locker room issues with a lot of teams last year. Um, the Clippers, the Celtics still have some weird stuff going on in their locker room. So uh, you can just kind of tell that um, when you have that kind of, uh, those kind of players on your team, then, then you can do that. But it Again, like right now, like I feel like this is going to be a weird stretch, like we talked about, because LeBron and AD aren't playing, right? So it's so it is a little different. Like uh, guys are expecting shots, guys are expecting minutes. Um, Kuzma took fifteen threes last night. I mean, that's just just a ridiculous amount of shots for him, but he must be happy. He's comfortable. He's going to get those looks because there's no one else to take them right now. So that's kind of where we're at right now. There's just like middle ground. Of I feel like I'm watching the 2018 Lakers where like we're developing all these dudes except we're getting LeBron AD back, right? That time you were just developing for the next season. So you're developing Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, all these young guys with a bunch of talent who aren't going to win a lot of games right now, but you know that in the future, if you add a star, they'll play well. Well, we have the stars. Now you're in that developmental mode again. So that's how I'm watching this this team right now. And I feel like that's how people should be watching this. The scoreboard is kind of not as relevant right now. You want to get wins as you can, but they're building towards stuff. And Vogel understands that. People are mad at Vogel because he's not playing this guy or he's not running this offense. I mean, it's just not the point of these games right now. They, it's just not. They're trying to develop good habits and good process for the future. And I think that's the right approach.
0: And having LeBron and AD uh, as the only things you have to plug in and mm-hmm. ramp up are important because you know LeBron LeBron, <laughs> is gonna, LeBron is LeBron is going to have ramp up. LeBron is going to have a phase where he's turning the ball over a lot. He's a little sloppy with his dribble. His, his jumper is a little unpolished because he's coming back into the swing of things. Anthony Davis is going to have like a physical ramp up that he has to get into. So from 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 that standpoint, like you know, uh, uh, having the guards already dialed into their defensive roles. Having Schroeder and Trez already in, in a rhythm with what they can do with their actions that they run together, having all of that set up and like humming at 100 miles an hour and then just plugging in the LeBron and AD pieces is so much better than like, you know, if LeBron and AD were injured in the off season and they came back, you know, right at the start of the season or training camp and everybody's ramping up together that I'd be a little bit more concerned about them, you know, looking good going into the playoffs. Whereas now because they can just kind of handle LeBron and ADP separately, then I, I feel a little bit more confident. The, the thing that'll get tricky is, you know, everybody uses the example of the bubble and how good they looked uh, uh, in the bubble after taking a bunch of time off but I have to remind people that they were playing a lot of basketball in the, in that time off. And, you know, LeBron and AD have actually been literally sitting in a hyperbaric chamber and, and icing and Mm -hmm. and stretching. And, and AD is just now starting to do like really minuscule court work. So they're, for them, I think the ramp up is important and and give putting them in a position where the rest of the team is humming along so their ramp up is a little easier I think it brings a lot of value
1: yeah and we talked about this before I'm not saying like obviously ad loves basketball but you could tell like he wasn't enjoying like the beginning of the season right I mean it's pretty clear basketball is not a robotic game right it's not played on excel spreadsheets it's it's seen it's playing through like you can see people's emotions and faces and he was just they was he was just not trying to do that early season and um and he got hurt and now he's out for extended time and so like you can see starting him him starting to post on ig like loading and hyperbolic chamber pictures and like just excited to get back on the court and that's what you want to see right you want to see your stars like want to go out and play and i feel like when he comes back no matter the seating or lebron is lebron is lebron's played well the whole season but you know just to see ad trying to come back and be hyped up to play again and you know he got a forced rest i mean i feel like this schedule was tough for anyone, but, I mean, at least for those guys, they got a nice break from it, and I hope he comes back with a rejuvenation that we thought we'd see, right? A 27-year-old megastar just got paid in Los Angeles, the 1B, you know, biggest biggest name in L.A. sports, sports, uh, sports basketball. So, like, I just want to see him come out with, like, a, a renewed sense of, like, okay, it's time to go. This is – I'm about to take over um, because, you know, there's a lot of conversations. People are saying Embiid – Jokic are all mvp candidates right ad should be in that mix that's the talent level that this guy has so i want to see him come that's what i really want to see that's my main thing i'm not worried about lebron like i think he's going to come back and be lebron james that's what he is uh ad is the one that i want to see come back and you know look not look like the bubble form but just that aggressiveness getting to the basket offensive rebounding putbacks that's when you know he's like engaged into a game Um, the mid-range jumpers are there they look cool they look pretty when they go in but uh, that's that's when I want to see come back and I I think we'll see a rejuvenated Anthony Davis um, coming back coming back here
0: can you hear me yeah so, as far as Anthony Davis goes, I mean, you made a good point like he came in i think I think uh the criticism of Anthony Davis before his injury was legitimate. you know, don't get me wrong, he had a stretch there right at the end where we all knew he was banged up. That was different, mm-hmm. but at the start of the season, he came out with less fervor than we were hoping you know coming into the season that that is legitimate criticism um but you're right, between him struggling. And the in uh, the ascent of Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, like, dude, you've got a big carrot in front of you now. Like, yeah. if we don't if we don't see a physically aggressive, dominant Anthony Davis, like, I'd be concerned a little bit in terms of just his mentality. Now, I think he will be. I think I think he'll come back, health permitting. I think he'll come back and try to take the league by storm. Um, but my thing is like, you know. If you look at the way LeBron has been in his whole career, it's like KD rises, Giannis rises, Steph rises. He always wants to meet and ascend above them. And Anthony Davis, you know, like he, we know the talents there. What he did in the bubble is on the same level as what Joel Embiid has done in this regular season. And Anthony Davis does have that potential. You make a great point. Like he should be in that conversation. Okay, fine. You get a pass because of the quick turnaround and you get a pass because of the injury. But in this playoff run, if you're healthy, and then going into next year in a normal offseason and a normal uh, uh, training camp and everything, this has to be what it is, man. Uh, and, and Laker Nation's going to hold you to that, and I, as I think they should, because they mortgaged mm-hmm. their entire future for you. It was worth it. They got a title. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's not a failure by any stretch of the imag- imagination. But you have the physical talent and and, and all of the tools you need to do what Jokic is doing and to do what Joel Embiid is doing. So I think, I think he needs to do it. And, and you know, people uh, in the, in the solo pot I did last week, someone asked like, you know, how many more titles do you see the Lakers winning? Or do you think they can win a couple more titles? And I absolutely do, but it depends on one thing. It depends on Anthony Davis's ascent to mirror LeBron's descent for every chunk of elite high end star level NBA basketball that LeBron loses each summer. You know Anthony Davis has to gain that, and and if he doesn't, then you know they won't be uh, in the in these conversations. uh, You know as teams that can compete for a title. But I am I'm just laying out you know what the expectation is. But for the record, health permitting, I do expect him uh, to succeed. And LeBron's skill set as he fades still complements Anthony Davis really well. You can imagine a six foot nine, two hundred seventy pound Jason Kidd. At age thirty nine, you know, <laughs> running running the offense, not not being the same physically dominant force, but just using his brain to unlock Anthony Davis, who at that phase hopefully is kind of like Joel Embiid is now, just this unbelievable, unstoppable offensive force with defensive player of the year capability on the other end. That that that's the way that it has to look, and I and I I think it's one hundred percent okay to hold those guys accountable to that. Like if 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 AD is a ten to fifteenth best player in the league. You can be a lot more relaxed about this kind of stuff. But you, I think you called him the second best player in the league this summer. I called him the fourth best player in the league this summer. And I was lower on him than a lot of Laker Nation. And so yeah. I think we, we have vaulted him to the point where he should have that kind of expectation.
1: Yeah, we talked about it. when you're when you go up to like top five, you're splitting hairs, right? Between the top five players. I mean, you're you're going through what LeBron, Katie, uh James Harden, regular season James Harden. Um uh <laughs> Anthony Davis, uh Kawhi Leonard, all those dudes are, you know, insanely great players I just and Jokic uh people are putting him in there this season as well you're splitting hairs on who you're picking on that my thing is like LeBron still won pretty clearly I mean I feel like if you pull anyone he's still one. um I don't see him dropping like five spots and however you want to rank again these rankings are so uh superficial that it's, it's hard to even like talk about it but you know I don't think if he's dropping like four or five AD needs to stay in that top Five level though because i think that's the talent level he has because that's how the lakers are going to build their roster going forward right they don't have all these um you know picks and all that stuff to trade that was all owned by new orleans now so they have to be smart around the margins which they have they picked up you know a 27 year old point above average starting point guard they picked up a 27 year old you know monster scorer off the bench all those dudes have faults but you don't get them without faults like it's just how it would be um people want shooter you know just to, sco- to shoot 40 from three and be a good passer and score at the rim That's an all star. Like that's you're not you know that's you're just not getting that any any time where they want Harold to be this lockdown defensive big and score twenty points a game. Like you, that those are all star level talents. So the Lakers gonna build a roster around the margins around those two guys being top five level players, and I think they can be. And you have to be to beat some of the teams like the Nets and all that out here. And he has the capability to do it. We saw it with our own eyes. He was the best defensive player in the playoffs. I don't think that was a question. I he locked he shut down a Houston team that has. You know, two really strong ego dudes and he shut down a Portland team. And it's just like he has it in him. It's just that that has to come out during this this end of the season here.
0: Yeah, that the, you make a great point. Like it's, it's like LeBron and AD are theoretically going to kind of ch- trade spots over the next few mm-hmm. years. Like eight, LeBron's going to descend from the best player in the league to like the fourth or fifth best player in the league. And Anthony Davis has to ascend to being you know, the second or third best player in the league. And the Lakers are always going to be a destination for the Andre Drummonds and the best mid-level exception guys and the best biannual exception guys and the best, right. uh, you know, guys who force their way out via trade, you know, and whatever it is, they, they have that flexibility. And then you couple that with Frank Vogel and excellent defensive scheming and uh, LeBron's brain on the offensive end of the floor. Like there is a pathway, even in LeBron's old age, Uh, For them to succeed, and and you know what, man, if they can somehow stretch this out uh, to where Talon Horton Tucker can actually be a genuinely impactful uh, NBA starter, then look out, man! Like it could be, it could get, it could be really, really good for a long time. Um, But that's how it has to be. It's it's no different than what the Lakers did in the 2010s with Kobe and Shaq. You got to find a way to bridge the gap. You know, like you ride Shaq. And then when it's done with Shaq, you got to find a way to make sure that that Kobe can be the guy, and and who's going to be the guy that's next to Kobe? Okay, it's Powell, and you know is Phil Jackson the guy that can lead us from a, a strategic standpoint? Like you've got to find a way to bridge the gap; otherwise, you're going to end up in a situation like what happened uh, earlier this decade, where the wheels came off. So that to me is is that is that key, and and you know, so much of that is going to come down to health, obviously, but also it's just about making those decisions on the margins and uh and uh ad's development uh because as good as anthony davis is he can be so much better you know like there's significant opportunity for improvement there still even at his age uh you know at i think he's 28 Uh, but there's a version of anthony davis that could be uh you know an even more dynamic offensive player and then his physical tools are going to stay with him for at least another four or five years
1: yeah, exactly. And you talked about this a lot with Drummond. Like, Drummond, the first time he was on a good team really is this year, right? Like, his a competent team, right? Like, a championship competent level team. Anthony Davis' first time on that was last year, right? That was his first time on, like, a good title team, learning what it means to, like, have every single game is, like, a win-lose. If you lose, it's, you know, it's it's a panic situation for Laker fans kind of thing. So he's still learning that. And, like, I think he's learning how to play uh like with the low motor and all that like because i feel like he went hard he goes hard a lot and now like this year he was kind of learning how to um you know walk through games and then try to go play at the end and then and still stay in a rhythm like lebron does lebron can kind of fall asleep for three quarters and have a twenty five point fourth quarter like it's just things he can do and anthony davis just hasn't learned how to do that yet and he'll pick that up uh as we move on and yeah i think he'll be fine and he's gonna have to be for, for us to win for us to win this year
0: and the longer he spends around LeBron, the more he's going to pick up on those little tricks of the trade to being the best player yeah. in the league. And I think that's that's the that's the added value of having LeBron around, even as he gets older. And I, I'm just I'm stoked because I feel bad that Kobe didn't get to have that experience, uh, and the injury was to blame. But I'm sad that Kobe didn't get to have that experience, like that late phase of his career where he's a fringe top 10, 15 player, but he can use his brain and his you know aura, his persona to continue to add value. Um, chris paul was right
1: there chris paul uh, was right man we had him for three (laughs) hours i'll never forget those three hours i talked way too much crap for three hours and then it was gone so uh, i'll I'll never forget that but yeah it's sad we didn't get that
0: um all right everybody i am so sincerely sorry about this wi-fi situation i have decided after this shit show (laughs) Um, that I will not ever try to do this again in this house. I will figure out a temporary solution off-site where I have better Wi-Fi so I don't have to worry about this anymore. For the downloaded podcast, I will edit out those cuts so it'll flow a little bit more smooth. For the handful of you guys who stuck through that shit show, I sincerely appreciate you guys, and uh, and I appreciate your patience and understanding. Raj, I hope you have a good rest of your week. You want to go again on Friday? Let's do it. All right, man. I will see you then. Sounds good. All right, bye.